The Holy Spirit continues to set hearts on fire with the love of Christ and inspire people to bring the good news to a world that is aching to hear it. Welcome to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. Now, here's your guide on this grand adventure, Catholic singer, songwriter, author, and speaker, Miriam Marston. Welcome back to Blazing the Trail. I'm your host, Miriam Marston. And friends, this week and the next, we'll be doing something a bit different in light of the Christmas season. You and I will be reflecting on some key passages from Scripture pertaining to the season. And to help with our prayerful reflection, I'll also share a little music along the way. So in keeping, of course, with the show's focus on evangelization, this week we'll turn to the role of joy in the mission of sharing the good news. We're going to place ourselves among the shepherds and the the townspeople in Bethlehem in the Christmas story. So what would it have been like to be a shepherd that night in Bethlehem? To hear, to see the angels proclaim the glorious news of our Savior's birth to be among the ones, the first ones, in fact, to share the news with others. That's why the song I'll be sharing with you is called The Herald. A herald is simply a messenger who brings news. And what joyful news it is. It comes in the course of an ordinary night in the fields. The stillness of that night is interrupted by the sudden appearance of the angels and their glad tidings. Their laughter is so mighty that it shakes the stars themselves, except one, which remains steady in the sky. And its light is the one that has its source in the light of the world, the Christ child. And the singing of the angels, could any song be more lovely than their singing here at the turn of the tide? Here at the moment when God's promise is fulfilled and the rescue has begun? Their song reminds us of a joy that we ourselves might have forgotten, buried beneath years of work and frustration, sadness and despair, underneath all of that, a joy that tells us, maybe even in a whisper, that we have been created by a God who loves us so. This is why it's a joy that that makes us tremble. It brings us to our knees. No other joy can really do that. If I receive a beautiful gift or or I have the best day ever, it makes me happy, of course, but it doesn't make me want to fall down in worship and adoration. No, friends, it's a joy the world will scarcely understand in which we ourselves might have trouble explaining. It, It goes beyond sentiment and it becomes a sign. It becomes a sign of how Christ can really transform a life. In a 2008 uh, Christmas address to the Roman Curia, Pope Benedict XVI said, An integral part of any celebration is joy. A celebration can be organized. Joy cannot. It can only be offered as a gift. And in fact, it has been given to us in abundance. For this we are grateful. Just as Paul describes joy as a fruit of the Holy Spirit, so John in his gospel closely links the Spirit to joy. The Holy Spirit gives us joy, and He is joy. Joy is the gift that sums up all the other gifts. 
It is the expression of happiness, of being in harmony with ourselves, which can only come from being in harmony with God and with His creation. It is part of the nature of joy to spread, to be shared. The church's missionary spirit is nothing other than the drive to share the joy that has been given to us. May that joy always be alive in us and thus shine forth upon our troubled world. Again, Pope Benedict XVI spoke those words, and here we look upon a troubled world, one that needs to hear again and again that laughter, that song of the angels. Repeat the sounding joy. We know this line from the well-known carol, repeat the sounding joy. It never gets old. It never gets tired. The song of joy has been repeated for 2,000 years. So let's listen first to this pivotal moment in the Gospel of Luke, and then I'll share with you how I was inspired to turn this scene into a song. So, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. Now, there were shepherds in that region living in the fields and keeping the night watch over their flock. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were struck with great fear. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For today in the city of David a Savior has been born for you, who is Messiah and Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find an infant wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go then to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them.
Refuses to let the joy in. Oh, let the joy in. And they may doubt these words, and they may doubt these visions. So I wrote this song as a kind of imaginative prayer, something I learned from Ignatian spirituality as St. Ignatius invites us to ask the Holy Spirit to direct our imagination so that we can better contemplate the profound meaning of a biblical text we're praying with. So let's continue to use this gift of imagination, and I'd like for you to close your eyes, unless you're driving, of course, and Just place yourself on a road in Bethlehem, and you're walking along this road, and you encounter the shepherds on their way back from the manger, their eyes still reflecting the divine light emanating from the Christ child they had met moments before. They have a strange, faraway look etched upon their faces, yet they seem to be more perfectly attuned to their surroundings, as though they've suddenly understood something essential about life itself, a lesson which had eluded them up until that point. 
Now recall what scripture tells us. The shepherds returned to their fields praising God. Their joyful praises probably caught the attention of others who wondered what all the fuss was about. And it catches your attention too. And you can't help but ask why they appeared to be so delightfully preoccupied. And they tell you, and at first you almost want to laugh, a child, a son of God, born in a manger. But their conviction is so palpable that you have no choice but to investigate for yourself. So you race up to the little stable where the Holy Family is, not knowing what to expect, but your heart is beginning to beat more quickly with anticipation. Now, when you arrive, the scene is busy, but with people and animals in a cramped space, it's hardly surprising. There's that customary stable odor, but there's another aroma floating through the air. It's the fragrance of an ancient place, but it's also as pure and fresh as the first raindrop in a storm. And this absurd thought suddenly crosses your mind. It smells like the first day of creation. Now, they've made no indication that you're not welcome, so you move in a little closer. The baby doesn't look any different from the many newborns you've seen, including your own children. But even the birth of your firstborn child didn't have the effect that this child is having on you right now. Something is happening inside you. An emotion is working its way to the front, rushing past all your despair and worry and fear. The feeling is hope. It's been so long since you last felt such hope. And you quickly scan your memory. It's not since your childhood, in fact. Not since the words of scripture had entered your youthful and lively imagination, when the crossing of the Red Sea felt as real as that time you'd leapt over a creek. But as you'd grown up, the scriptures felt more remote, and you'd begun to think that the story was over. But now you realize you'd only read the first few chapters, and you were presently stepping into the pages of the newest chapters and the ink hadn't even dried yet. The gratitude bursting in your heart right now is working like gravity upon your body. You bow your head, squirming momentarily when you remember how dirty your hair must be. But then it hits you. This child knows and loves every hair on your head, and he doesn't really care how dirty it is, but he does care about how clean your soul is. And you get this sense, even if you don't comprehend it yet, that that's why he's come. To take your heart of stone and to give you a heart of flesh. This child has come to make you a child once again. You look at Jesus, and it's like you're seeing yourself for the first time. And if it weren't for the mercy that you knew was the heartbeat of this child, it would have nearly crushed you. Because when the scales fell off your eyes, you saw your pride, your selfishness, your resentment, and your anger. But the joyful news of the angels disrupts your hopelessness. Indeed, you feel a thrill of hope. God is not done with you yet. You start to understand why the shepherds had walked through the streets with their joyful praises. And it wasn't because they'd suddenly won the lottery or their lives were going to become easy or very comfortable. They had something far greater than fortune, greater than comfort. They had the news that the Savior had been born, 
hope in a troubled world had arrived and nothing, nothing would ever be the same again. In 1975, Pope Paul VI wrote an apostolic exhortation called Evangelii Nunciandi, Evangelization in the Modern World. In that letter, he highlights the importance of joy in the evangelizer's life. Here are some of his words. Let us therefore preserve our fervor of spirit. Let us preserve the delightful and comforting joy of evangelizing, even when it is in tears that we must sow. May it mean for us, as it did for John the Baptist, for Peter and Paul, for the other apostles, and for a multitude of splendid evangelizers all through the church's history, an interior enthusiasm that nobody and nothing can quench. And may the world of our time, which is searching, sometimes with anguish, sometimes with hope, be enabled to receive the good news not from evangelizers who are dejected, discouraged, impatient, or anxious, but from ministers of the gospel whose lives glow with fervor, who have first received the joy of Christ, and who are willing to risk their lives so that the kingdom may be proclaimed and the church established in the midst of the world. Forty-three years after this letter, Pope Francis released an apostolic exhortation of his own called Rejoice and Be Glad, and in it he actually entitles one of the sections Joy and a Sense of Humor, and he writes, Hard times may come when the cross casts its shadow, yet nothing can destroy the supernatural joy that adapts and changes but always endures, even as a flicker of light born of our personal certainty that, when everything is said and done, we are infinitely loved. That joy brings deep security, serene hope, and a spiritual fulfillment that the world cannot understand or appreciate. Pope Francis speaks here of a serene hope, but I want to go back to that thrill of hope. It's a familiar line from the song, O Holy Night, which begins, O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Friends, there's a chance that you know people, or, or this might even apply to you, who have forgotten the worth of their soul. But he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The incarnation of Christ, God who has taken on flesh, has become human. This has forever changed how we even look at ourselves and each other. We see in a new way how we are truly made in the image and likeness of God. No wonder this revelation stirs up a weary world waiting for the morning. God has stepped into creation. He reassures us that he is not some distant God on the sidelines, managing affairs from afar. That is not real love. That's not much more than what a good business consultant might do. And God is infinitely more than just a capable consultant who can give us good advice. He is our salvation. 
And what about that wonderful Christmas song, Angels We Have Heard on High? The next time you listen to it, try to imagine this exchange between the shepherds and and the people who had not witnessed the appearance of that angelic host. First, the shepherds describe what happened. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. And then the questions come. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? Say what may the tidings be which inspire your heavenly song. And the shepherds reply, Come to Bethlehem and see, Him whose birth the angels sing, Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. And of course, we have that memorable refrain, Gloria in excelsis Deo, Glory to God in the highest. Those words that we have not said all through Advent, but here on Christmas, after this season of anticipation, our hearts burst with this joyful chorus, Glory to God in the Highest. And I think it's interesting to ponder that question to the shepherds. Why, shepherds, why are you so glad? What could possibly have happened to fill you with such happiness? Are the fields of Bethlehem so fascinating and exciting? What inspires your heavenly song? Has someone ever asked you that question? What inspires your heavenly song? Okay, maybe not those words exactly. But if you're listening to this and you've experienced that kind of deep down joy that that really does catch someone's attention and, and they don't really understand where it comes from and they ask you, what do you respond? This, this, my friends, is the heart of evangelization. This is what it all comes down to. Remember those lines I quoted earlier from Pope Benedict XVI. It is part of the nature of joy to spread, to be shared. The church's missionary spirit is nothing other than the drive to share the joy that has been given to us. This is a summary of the mission entrusted to each disciple, to share the joy of knowing Jesus. And I have to pause and say here, because we know that life so often is so difficult, that we speak here of a joy that does not ignore the sorrow. It just doesn't let the sorrow have the final word. J.R.R. Tolkien wrote very beautifully on this theme. He said that, The consolation of of a good fairy story, the joy of the happy ending, or more correctly, of the good catastrophe, the sudden joyous turn, this joy is not essentially escapist nor fugitive. It is a sudden and miraculous grace, never to be counted on to recur. It does not deny the existence of sorrow and failure. The possibility of these is necessary to the joy of deliverance, but it denies universal final defeat, giving a fleeting glimpse of joy, joy beyond the walls of the world. Here, Tolkien gives us a window into that paschal mystery, since this is the road through the cross to the empty tomb. But it begins here, in Bethlehem against the backdrop of the night sky, the song of the angels shattering the silence of a world holding its breath, waiting for its Savior. 
and in the simplicity of the stable a light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. C.S. Lewis once wrote that joy is the serious business of heaven. Friends, my prayer for you in these coming days is that you experience this serious business of heaven during the Christmas season. That you receive the grace of hearing the words of Jesus spoken directly to your heart. Those words he shared with his disciples and which we hear in the Gospel of John as he says, So you also are now in anguish, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy away from you. This Christmas, let the joy in, no matter if it's a flicker of light or a flood of gladness. Every trace, every hint of Christian joy is a sign of hope to the world. Thank you for spending this time with me today. Please know of my prayers for you and your loved ones. And I hope you'll join me next time for another special episode where we will continue to reflect on this evangelizing dimension of the beautiful Christmas season. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon.